Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. In, in our 9 o'clock service, we had three young preachers, Brother Denver Nelson, Brother Noah Bowers, and, and, um, and Brother Zion Gators. And my, my, we heard just an amazing word from the Lord, just a clear thread of what, uh, a clear voice of what God wanted to do in that service. We saw a man, 61 years old, never been filled with the Holy Ghost right over here. Lift his hands. God filled him with the gift of his spirit. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's for everybody. He said, I feel so clean. He said, I didn't know God could do it for somebody my age, but God filled me with the Spirit. Come on, God can fill you with His Spirit today. Baptized in Jesus' name. Man, what a great, what a great day, a great move of God. And we've got three preachers that are going to preach today. And uh, I know all of you came to hear me, and uh, that's a joke. Uh, I, to- I actually told you last week that Pastor would be back this week, so I, I-, I accidentally lied from the pulpit, and I'm sorry for that. And uh, forgivest thou me. And, uh, but um, we have some great young men that are going to be preaching today, and, uh, and, and, and uh, we have, let me, let me share something with you here. I- I'm so glad that I'm a part of a church that allows young people to grow. That allows young people to grow in ministry, finding the will of God, not just young people, not just young people, it's for the young and for the old. We, we, have, a, we have a church that allows space and room for everybody that is pursuing the will of God for their life. We have room for that. We make room for that here. Why? Because it's bigger than just a pastor and some other staff. This is bigger than just a building. We're not here to just preach to a building. We're here to reach Zanesville. We're here to reach a region. We're here to obey the gospel. And we're going to see it come to pass the way they saw it come to pass in the book of Acts. The success of the church In Acts chapter 6, the Bible says that, and the word of the Lord increased, and the number of disciples multiplied. When the number of disciples were multiplied, the word of God increased, and they saw their world turn upside down because of a group of people that, that that, that had been given room to minister that had been given room to operate in the calling and the gift in which God had called them to do. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, how can you hear without a preacher? And how can he preach except he be sent? We believe in the preached word of God in this church. We believe that. We believe in the preached word of God. For how can you hear without a preacher? How can he preach except he be sent? Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the the word of God. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's for everybody. And so today we have some amazing preachers that are going to be preaching to us. And I'm going to introduce them all at the beginning. And we're going to get that out of the way. And we're going to let God have his way. I'm so excited today to have Brother Alec Melick preaching to us today. 
Brother Aaron Toombs is going to be preaching to us as well. And to end the day, Sister Ashley Harrington is going to be preaching to us. I want to say, I want to say to all of you, to, to all three of you, we believe in you. We're grateful for who you are. We believe that God has spoken to you for this day. We believe you have a word for us. We believe that. We really do. I think before they come, you ought to pray for your own self that your heart would be open. And we ought to pray for them as well. Would you lift your hands and let's pray, Lord. We love you, God. We know that your word is quick. Your word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We know that your word can do anything. God, and we pray, oh God, for an open heart and an open spirit, God, to your word today. God, we pray, Lord, if you, I pray that if you can speak to anybody today, God, that you would speak to me, Lord. Speak to me your word today, oh God. I pray you would anoint these preachers today. Anoint them, oh God. Let your hand rest upon them as they deliver your word today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, would you clap your hands in expectation for what God's going to do today? Amen. Let's welcome these preachers as they come to preach today. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Lord God, you're worthy. You're holy and righteous, and there is none like you, Lord. I'm going to serve you all the days of my life, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name, I'm so thankful to be with you all. Uh, as you are uh, standing for the word, I just turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And I do want to kind of tag on to what Pastor Cody was saying there, that I've been to churches where the only person who preaches is the pastor. There's no opportunity for young people or for anybody else, for that matter, to preach and to grow. And so I am so thankful to this church, to the ministry, for allowing us to do this. Amen. Amen. Let me just set my time here. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You may be seated. I'm going to talk about today the joy of a living sacrifice. The joy of a living sacrifice. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We are debtors. Amen. He paid the ultimate price for me and for my life so that I don't have to have a, a, a situation where I, I don't have God in my life, but I have a personal relationship with God because he died on the cross. So we are debtors, amen? Uh, and he's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. The next part of that verse says, not to the flesh. So therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. We aren't debtors to the flesh. The flesh hasn't done anything for us. But it says to live after the flesh. What does it mean to live after the flesh? Does that mean we do the things of the flesh? That's not what it's saying. It's saying to live after the flesh, meaning after the flesh has died. So we are debtors not to live in the flesh, but we are debtors to live after the flesh has died. What does that mean? That means to live after the spirit. Now, you might be asking, what's the difference between flesh and spirit? The flesh is, is a war that's happening in between, in, inside of you. Most of my life, I always thought that there was this amazing battle going on between God and all his amazing armies and the devil and all his amazing armies. But that battle has already been determined. God is the victor. Amen? God's going to win. Praise God. 
But the battle that still has to be determined is the one that's within. Paul talks about this extensively, and this is just a short little bit of what he's talking about here, where there is a war that is happening inside of us between the flesh. The flesh is the desires of this world. The flesh wants to do things that are temporal, wants to do things that are fun for a season, but ultimately lead to bondage. We don't want to be a part of the flesh. We don't want to follow after the flesh. We want to follow after the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit are the things of God. The things of the Spirit are praying and seeking and having a relationship with God. We want the things of the Spirit. So that's why this verse says, we are debtors not to live to the flesh, not to live to the temporary things of this world, but to live after the flesh, after the flesh has died. But why would we care to live after the flesh has died? I, that, I've explained how, but why? And ultimately the next verse, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. Now, there is an eternal life, which is heaven, but there's also an eternal death, which is hell. So if we live after the flesh, we will suffer that eternal death. So if, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, if you kill the things of the body, if you kill the flesh, ye shall live. So we have to kill the body, we have to kill the flesh, so that we can have eternal life and live with him. Amen? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... This is really why we have to live after the, the Spirit, because they are the sons of God. If you live after the Spirit, you become a child of God. You become one of His that He takes into His own. Look at what the next verse says. For if ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, when you follow God, you might think, oh, there's all these rules and holiness and things. It's not a spirit of bondage to fear. It's not a spirit of, well, they put a handcuff on you, and now you can't do what you want to do. But actually, it says that uh, ye are led, sorry, you're not given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He is our Father, amen? He didn't have to take us in, but he chose to love us anyway. He chose to give me a second chance. He chose to bring me into his family and love me as if I was his own, even though I sin, even though I'm not who I should be sometimes, yet he decided to call me his own and bring me into adoption. That's why it's so important to live after the Spirit. Verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We are the children of God when we live after the Spirit. And if we are the children of God, then heirs, heirs of God. If we are the children of God, we are heirs of God Almighty. We receive his inheritance and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. So we want to be joint heirs with God. We want to be heirs of God. That's awesome. That sounds great. That sounds amazing. But all these things happen if so be that we suffer with him. That's not exactly what we'd like to hear. But what does it mean to suffer with him? Jesus suffered. Jesus went on a cross and was beaten and was shamed and brutalized by us, by, by, by the people that he was there to save. And the disciples suffered too. Many of them died very horrific ways and they suffered in their lives. Thankfully, we might not have to suffer physically, but there might be some spiritual suffering that happens in our lives. There might be some things that happen where we get uncomfortable or we're not uh, exactly sure what to do or, or how to react, I should say. So to follow after the Spirit, we will have to suffer with Him. Jesus said that if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. We, there's a burden that we have to carry following after the Spirit of God. We have to be a living sacrifice. 
We have to die daily and kill the flesh. Paul told us to die daily. What does that mean? To repent daily, to kill the flesh daily. We have to every day make up in our mind that I'm not going to follow after the things of the flesh, but I'm going to follow after the things of the spirit so that I can be who he called me to be. But that means something has to die. And that's where the suffering comes in. Something has to be killed. Something has to be sacrificed. And that is what it means to be a living sacrifice. And I've always been taught that the problem with the living sacrifice is that it can get up off the altar anytime it wants. The problem with the living sacrifice is that at any time when it gets too hot, when it gets too uncomfortable, when it's just not really what we were expecting or we're disappointed or, or we're offended, now we're going to get up off the altar and we're going to go and live our own way. But when you get off of the altar of, of, of a living sacrifice, you are following after the things of the flesh. Because your flesh is uncomfortable, so now you're doing what your flesh wants, which is get up off of the altar. So now you're following after the things of the flesh and you will die an eternal death. But I submit to you today that if you stay on the altar of a living sacrifice, you will find eternal life. How? It's because on that altar of living sacrifice, you are purified. It's because on that altar of living sacrifice, God is taking away all those things, all that shame, all that past, all those desires to do ungodly things, all those bad habits, all those bad friends that aren't good influences on your life. It's on that altar of living sacrifice that God is burning those things away to make you who he has called you to be. He doesn't want you to continue to live a life of, of hate and of grievance. He doesn't want you to continue a life of sin and of flesh, but he has called you to a greater purpose. He has called you to a purpose that's greater than anything you could imagine. Imagine, but it only can come to pass when you stay on the altar of a living sacrifice. It can only come to pass when you make up in your mind that I'm going to be who God has called me to be. The joy of a living sacrifice is understanding that when I suffer with Christ, he is making me better. The joy of a living sacrifice is understanding that it might be hurting right now. It might be uncomfortable right now, but he's making me greater than I ever could have imagined. He's making me someone that can be called by his name, that can be made new in his spirit. That's the joy of a living sacrifice. Because I don't have to live on my own. I don't want to live by my own merit. I don't want to live by my own rules. But I want to live according to his word. And every time it might seem hard, every time it might seem difficult to stay on there, remember that we are debtors. Remember that we are debtors to God. Remember that we are debtors to the one who died for us. So if the only thing that I can do for Christ to maybe somehow pay him back is live a life of sacrifice on the altar of living sacrifice, I'm going to do it. I've made up in my mind that I'm going to be who God has called me to be no matter how comfortable it might get, no matter how disappointing it may be at times, no matter how offended I might be. I know that God's true and that every man is a liar, so I will follow him till the end of my life. I'm going to say one last verse to you here, and we understand what the joy of a living sacrifice is, and that as children of God, we will inherit what he has given to us. As we inherit that suffering, we are also going to inherit the glory of God. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. What does that mean? That means we might be suffering in this life. That means there might be hardships in this life. But one day we're going to be glorified with him. One day we're going to be glorified in heaven with God, where there's going to be no pain, where there's going to be no sickness, where there's going to be no shame. But God is going to lift us up and make us new. In Jesus' name. And I'm just going to reiterate the verse that I started with in verse 18, and then I'll have us pray out. For I reckon 
that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Right now, let's just pray that God would help us, Lord, to be that living sacrifice, even when it gets difficult. Lord, we love you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your peace and the understanding, God, that as a living sacrifice, God, we can have joy, Lord, in knowing that those trials and those, those things that are difficult and uncomfortable, Lord, are growing us, Lord. They're purifying us. They're making us more like you and less like ourselves, Jesus. I pray that you would touch us today. Help us, Lord, to make up in our mind that we will be a living sacrifice. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's continue to lift up a hand clap of praise today. Thank you, Jesus, for another chance to be near you today. We're thankful, Lord, for the word that you've given us today, God. Pray you continue to move in this house, Jesus. I'd like to start out uh, by giving honor to Pastor Bounds and Pastor Cody. They always do invest in young people. It's a very, very good thing. I don't take this lightly. So I'm going to open my scripture from Acts 26, verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Everybody say almost. Almost. You may be seated. Almost is defined as not quite or very nearly. It means to just miss something. So today, I'm going to talk about a few almosts, starting off with a little bit of history. Who all knows Napoleon Bonaparte? Not dynamite, Bonaparte. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Napoleon Bonaparte is regarded as one of the greatest military generals in history. And it's that skill that allowed him to be able to win many battles and become the emperor of France for a time uh, with the... With the time of that, when that time period, that empire spanned almost all the way across Europe. It was massive. And, but in February of 1807, uh, the Battle of Eilu, Eilau, something like that, Napoleon made one of the first major mistakes of his um, commander career or whatever. <laughs> the battle was fought in East Prussia, and it was a deadlock between Napoleon and the Russian-Prussian co coalition. On the morning of February 8th, Napoleon was waiting for reinforcements as the French troops were taking a beating from the Russians. Napoleon was on top of a bell tower, uh, trying to get a good view of the battlefield and assess the situation, when out of nowhere a huge snowstorm rolled in. And it uh, basically cut off his vision of anything that's happening as thousands of Russians descended on his position. Napoleon was left with only his personal guard as Russians began to overwhelm that position. This was the day that Napoleon was supposed to die. But, through bravery from his personal guard and blind luck, they were able to make it through. Because Napoleon survived this encounter, the Napoleonic Wars would go on for another eight years. But the wars almost ended in that battle. So now, uh, another almost that we're going to talk about is found in our opening scripture. Paul had been kept in bondage for some time while Felix was the uh, procurator, which is the imperial governor. But soon he was replaced by a name, man named uh, Procius Festus. With that change in leadership, the Jewish leaders were, they, they restarted their plot to kill Paul. They get him to go back to Jerusalem and ambush him on the way. Uh, but Festus said they can have their charges heard right there in Caesarea. Uh, the Jewish leaders brought their charges, but they couldn't really prove anything against Paul that he had done anything wrong. And Paul was appealing to be seen by the emperor himself. So he was kept in bondage until he could be transported to Rome. 
But during that time of bondage, uh, a man named King Agrippa came to visit Festus. And uh, Festus wanted to hear what he had to say on the matter. So he had Paul come before, Festa, before Agrippa and plead his case. And Agrippa said to Paul, speak for yourself. Just tell me, tell me, tell me your story, that kind of thing. And so Paul began to speak about his testimony, about how he was a preacher killer and how God had transformed him and all the things Paul had experienced up to that point. Sometimes the best thing you can do when your faith is being attacked is to look back where you came from, to look at your testimony. Times may be tough right now, but if he brought you out of that, he can bring you through this. Sometimes the best thing to do when you're stuck in a situation where there's a storm is to look over your shoulder and see where you came from and look to where you're going. If he brought you out of that, he can bring you out of this. And so Paul gave Agrippa his testimony. And that's when we get to Acts 26, 28. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You almost persuaded me to be a Christian. He was almost convinced, almost converted. And in both of those situations today with Napoleon and then Paul, there was a moment where something almost happened. Throughout your life, you're going to encounter a ton of almost situations. And in every one of those situations, a possibility vanishes. Say I have this piece of paper. I almost made it. But did I make it? No. I almost made it, but I did not make it. King Agrippa was face to face with a man who had turned away from his old ways. Face to face with a man who had seen the light of God shine down on his life, literally. And the one thing Agrippa had to say was, you almost convinced me. You almost converted me. And in this almost, he sent away Paul and his possibility at being saved vanished. He sent away his chance at salvation. I want someone to know today that you don't need to have an almost moment. You don't have to leave today unchanged, unmoved, unconverted, untransformed, but there's a God you have access to that can change you right now, completely, 100%. The one that can give you salvation, the one that can save you from your sin and change you is here today. In Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel was sent down in a valley full of dry bones. God then asked Ezekiel if those bones could live. Ezekiel said, O Lord God, thou knowest. So God gave him a commandment and said, prophesy to the bones that their, their bones will be reconnected, that the sinews and the flesh would come back on them. And so Ezekiel did as he told. And as he prophesied, the bones came back together. The flesh was laid back on it. The skin came back on. But that's not where it stopped. That, it, that, was, that wasn't where it stopped. It continued on. It said, uh, God said to Ezekiel, can there be breath in these bodies? Because at the time, they were just lifeless bodies. But God said, can there be breath? And Ezekiel prophesied again, let there be breath that comes into their bodies. And as he did, breath came back to their bodies and they came to life. Through this passage, there was an opportunity for an almost. He was surrounded by lifeless bodies and they could have stayed that way. But we have a God who is not an almost God. We serve a God that goes 100%, not just 99%. He's not a God who does things halfway. He does them completely all the way through. Our God will never start something that he does not finish. He didn't almost go to the cross. He did go to the cross. He didn't almost raise from the dead. He did raise from the dead. He's a God that will leave the 99 to save the one because almost is not enough. If you need something today, 
God will, will not almost meet your need. He will meet your need. Let's lift our hands. Lord, oh God, I thank you, Jesus, for going all the way for me, for going to the cross for me, oh God, for giving 100%. Lord, oh God, we're thankful today, Jesus, that you'll meet our needs, oh God. Why don't we lift up our hands today? David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. God, thank you for your word today, Lord. Oh, God, we magnify you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I always count it a privilege and an honor to be up here before you all. I don't ever take it lightly give honor to our pastor and to the ministry of the church and to God uh, for allowing me to be here. If you will turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6. Amen. It's a very familiar portion of scripture. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 and it says, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. For the next few minutes, I just wanna to talk to you about God is in control. God is in control. You may be seated. I'm sure that all of us in this room could agree that sometimes life just gets a little tricky. We often find ourselves navigating rough waters in life, whether it's the economy or sickness or whatever it is, sometimes life just gets hard. And I know for myself, the last few months, it's almost been like a test that God has given me. And uh, in March, I started having some health issues and I went underwent some testing and um, I was diagnosed with a very common heart condition. Um, a lot of people have it, but it's only common till it happens to you, and then it's like a really big deal. And um, I got my test results on a Saturday night of all days when the doctor's office was closed. And anyone that knows me, truly knows me, knows that I am a warrior, a warrior. I, I overthink, um, I overanalyze sometimes. I, I think it's just who I am. And uh, it was 45 minutes before my son's birthday party. And so I had to put on a smile and, you know, see all the family and be the mom taking the pictures, you know. But in the back of my mind, my wheels were turning because I thought I'm 32 years old and I'm a single mom. And if something happens to me, I always think of what would happen to Jack's. I always worry about him because no one can raise your kids like you can. And, uh, you know, fear came on me. I was very afraid. But it was almost like I had to come to myself. And I realized that if God brought me out of where I was and put me to where I am right now, he did not take me here to leave me here. He's going to take me through it. And it doesn't matter if it gets hard. I know that God walks with me. I know that Jesus is with me. 
Amen. We have to have faith that God knows what is best for us. The Bible says to not lean onto our own understanding. We are not to question God. We're not going to understand everything on this side of heaven. But, you know, we can't always wonder why things happen. You know, it, death is going to come. Life is going to, things are going to happen. But, you know, the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Time and chance will happen to us all. But as long as I've got my hand in the hand of the one that is in control, I know that wherever the seas of life take me, I know that Jesus is with me and nothing is impossible. Amen. Not everything I've learned is a test. Some things are just life. And I've, I've also learned that, and it's not really profound, but, um, you know, sometimes God just says no. And sometimes what we think the will of God is for our lives is not what God has planned. And we always say that prayer, not my will, but thine will be done until his will doesn't really match what we thought. And then, you know, it becomes a hard pill to swallow because we are sometimes spoiled. You know, God loves us. We're his children. And it, it happens sometimes. Um, so I just want to encourage someone this morning who may be facing some things, moments of uncertainty. There's going to be times that you're going to have more questions than you have answers. Um, you know, sometimes life is, is going to happen. Things are going to happen. But child of God, lift up your head and know that Jesus is with you. And like he said, sometimes we're going to go through things. But what happens here on this earth and the things that we go through is nothing in compared to what when we get to glory. It's everything's going to be worth it. It's going to we're going to we're going to get our reward in Jesus name in Jesus name. We have to activate our faith sometimes and know that God didn't bring us this far just to leave us here. He didn't bring us all this way to say, okay, you're doing good and well, I'm just gonna leave. No, he didn't leave. He, he said he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. He'll be with us until the end of the world. Amen. And sickness, God is still good. In times of hardship, God is still good. In my grief and in my sorrow, and we, when we go through things, he's still a good God. And whether or not he delivers me from the fire or if I have to walk through it, I know that he's going to get the glory at the end. Nothing's impossible for him because he is worthy of my praise. He is worthy. He is worthy. Amen. Nothing that happens in our lives will ever catch God by surprise. He knows exactly where we are and he knows exactly what he is doing. David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He is our rock. He is everything we need. Psalm 62 tells us he's our strong tower. Psalms 46 says he's our refuge, our strength, and a very present help. In Genesis 22, he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And if sickness has entered your body I've got good news for you because in Exodus 15 he's Jehovah Rapha which is the God that heals he is the God in, uh, he in, in Judges chapter 6 he's Jehovah Shalom which means God is my peace and maybe today you've come here and it's your first time and you're looking for a change I've got great news for you because this word says that God is our salvation 
he is our salvation. No matter the situation or the season, Jesus Christ is the solution. If the music would come, if you would stand with me. David said, I lift mine eyes up to the hills, which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So I just want you to be encouraged today that we have a promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And, you know, the Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them all. He's got us. We, we don't have to, you know, this world is unsure. It's rocky. We don't know what's, well, we know what's going on. Jesus is coming. But it's, you know, it's troubled times, but we just have to be, in, God is with us. He has not left us. Amen. I wonder if we could all gather around the altar this morning. I don't know what you came here for. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe this morning you're going through some things and you feel like God's not with you. You feel like God's left you, but there's a refreshing in this room. He is still with you. He is still walking with you. We're going to go through the fire. We're going to have to sacrifice. We're going we're gonna to face some things, but God is with us. And if it's your first day here and you're just looking for a change and you need God to touch you, what you're doing is not working and you need God to heal your heart, I'm here to tell you that he can and he will. The healer is in this room. You don't have to leave the same, but all you have to do is surrender yourself to him and he will walk with you. He's a faithful God. In the 10 years that I walked away from him, he was still good to me when I didn't even deserve it. He is faithful. He is faithful. Amen. I want to pray for you today. I just think that there's a lot of people in here that go through things and are going through things. And I just want to you to know that you're not alone. You are not alone. Jesus, I have spoke your word today, God. I have done exactly what you have told me to do, Jesus. I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray for every broken heart, every broken mind. God, I speak to confusion, oh God. Oh God, I pray for every person that has walked in here, Lord, that needs a change, Jesus, that needs you to come and live in them, God. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would visit us here this morning. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would refresh us, oh God, remind us that we are not alone. God, that you walk with us through the fire, oh God, and that no matter what we face, Lord, you are in control because you are a good God. You are a good Father, and we walk in your goodness, oh God. We thank you, Jesus. Why don't you pray with someone beside you today? There's healing in this room today if you need it. God has come to meet us here. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.